This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to Grieving Voices. I am your host, Victoria Volk of The Unleashed Heart. And today my guest is Michelle Marsh. She studied Reiki 1 and 2 as a teenager, which began her journey into wellness. And after leaving school, she went into registered nursing, where she learned the pros and cons of Western medicine. After getting frustrated with the system, she left and began down a path of learning in natural health and hypnotherapy, soon moving into coaching. Recently, Michelle has studied creative therapies, and this year is delving deeper into alchemical herbalism and Eurovita. Now a mom of three and wife to a wonderful, tolerant husband, Michelle describes herself as a highly sensitive person who loves to experience life to the fullest. In a nutshell, Michelle works with nature and creativity to help others grow and create change. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Michelle. Hello. Thank you for having me. We know each other, dear friends, for like <laughs> two years. And this is the first time we're actually recording. And I've been trying to pin you down for quite some time. But I think it's perfect timing, just given all of the change and transformation that I know you've gone through in the past two years. But more mm. importantly, how that change has transpired probably in light, in a lot of ways because of COVID. And so... Excited to see where this conversation goes today, but can you share a little bit about the Michelle before COVID and the impact that has had on your life and the Michelle after COVID? And just to clarify, she lives in Western Australia. <laughs> Hence the funny accent. <laughs> Although I think you're I the it. one with the funny accent, to be honest. I love it. <laughs> okay, so Michelle, oh, So that's a doozy, doozy, doozy question. Michelle post-COVID is much more accepting of um, the greyness of the future. So I think that's probably the biggest change that the uncertainty of, of everything that's kind of gone on here has given me in the sense that before COVID, I really liked to plan. Before COVID, I would always have a, a future vision of how everything is, is going to be. And um, with so many changes and so much potential for change occurring, and there were, you know, there's been quite a few things in, in my life that I, would do, I was doing that um, has been, well, felt like it was ripped beneath my feet and all of a sudden the trajectory I was on and my husband was on um, career-wise, family-wise, all sorts of things disappeared. And in the past when I've come across those kind of um, uncertain moments or, you know, when big changes come into life as, as it does, one of my biggest strategies for 
dealing with that would be to sit down and and replan and revisualize something into the future because knowing where you are going gives you a sense of purpose and hope and so the last two years particularly this this past year it's like we don't know what's going to happen next and and how our um there's a lot of freedom it's been changed here uh where i live and um and so it's like it was about six months ago I had a had a moment of going, being so frustrated because I kept planning and it kept kind of falling apart, just one little announcement and it would just crumble down again and this frustration and then wanting to plan but being afraid to take the next step in a plan as well because of that. And, and I was sitting there and I was in a meditation and it was like there was just this grey fog and it's like, well, I can't just keep standing here where I'm at because you can't do that for life. Like that's that's a path or well, a staying still to, to misery, right? We have to move forward. That's where the growth is. But the fear of stepping into it's like it's it's the great unknown. So it's um it's not that I don't dream and plan now. I do, but it's with the knowledge that it can be, it can disappear at any moment. And I think. Now, in hindsight, I look back and I think how funny because it's not like that was ever different. Life could always change on a dime. Your your plans could always change. But I had a false sense of security pre-2020, whereas now it's like my eyes have been opened as to the the true changeable nature of life. And, um, you know, it was terrifying at first and, and some days it still is and some days... I really feel the loss of that that certainty. On the other hand, what a gift because it's kind of exciting as well, like to to go, ooh, the potential. You know, instead of knowing where you're going, knowing the end of the story, it's like a great book where anything can happen. Like, yeah, just I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, and I, I wanna I wanna touch on that a little bit and go a little deeper on what you said when you talked mm-hmm. about the possibility because there, I think there's so many people that could think like the negative, right? Like this isn't gonna work out. It's like the worst possibility, right? So, mm-hmm. and so many people have that knee jerk reaction to think of the worst case scenario. Yeah. So what have you learned? through the grief that this has brought you too, because it is grief, change mm-hmm. in pattern, patterns of behavior in your life and plans that get swept from under you. What have you learned and how have you been able to reframe a positive of possibility instead of fear, really? Yeah, there's definitely been, been grief. So saying that I've had in my head since I was a kid, I don't know where it came from, is there's always a way you just have to find it. And I've I've always believed that, except for when I haven't in those dark, dark moments. Sometimes you forget, right? But it's always kind of been there in the back of my mind. Um, So one of the things that happened towards the end of last year in in studying creative therapies um, at uni is that I had a a trajectory from going from this... um, postgraduate diploma that I'm doing in into the masters which would then take me into the the system of being registered and being able to mingle with 
you know, in the in the medical world and, and things, kind of in the system, I suppose, because I I fell in love with it and I'm good at it, you know, like trying to say that in the most non-egotistical way, but, you know, when you just go, oh, yeah, like it all makes so much sense to me and I find it quite, it's a lot of work, but quite easy at the same time to understand. And so it was like having this baby kind of gifted to me and I was I was just in love and I was committed to it. And, and it was just such a beautiful gift because I had originally said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to integrate it into like my coaching and consulting that I do, what I learn. And, and then I had this whole new vision and, and pathway that I was going to go on. And then there was announcements at the end of last year that said um, that you have to be vaccinated to practice as, as that kind of registered practitioner. And we had chosen as a, as a family not to go down that road health-wise. And, um, and it was just dream shattered in, in a moment. And, and that really, and, and I know I spoke to you a lot about this at, at the time, you know, talk about a, a loss of hopes, dreams and expectations. I had such a strong vision of once I had that master's, what I was going to do with it. And it it felt so real. It felt so aligned. And even talking about it now, I can feel that emotion kind of coming up. And it was like, well, what now? And, and I did just throw my hands up and um, kind of say, F you world, and I don't understand. And this felt so right. It felt so aligned. Like, you know, my, the spiritual side of me was really, well, the side of me trying to understand the the spiritual side of me (laughs) was very confused because I live my life like that. I, I follow my intuition. That loss made me feel very lost in myself. And it made me question everything in the sense of you know I follow these this path of of like following the whispers I call it you know that intuitive following what feels good following what feels aligned and here I'll here it was I I felt like the universe was just slapping me across the face and going haha just jokes you know give me the give me give me that beautiful baby back take it away from like just took it straight back and um, all the work that I'd done and, and the sacrifices that I'd made, you know, financially and time-wise to do that study and, because you know, it's been a couple of years that I've been in it, really hurt, really, really hurt. And then at the same time, being so aware of <laughs> there are so many people in the world suffering so much more you know, that, that there are there are bigger losses out there and it, it could be so much worse, but then it felt like my heart was being teared up. It's such a, a funny thing when you have a have a loss like that because it's um, what I was grieving was, was never actually a reality in the first place. Um, so going back to that, that saying there's always a way you just have to find it, you know, that was still in the back of my head. And gradually I realised that what I have learned so far is still mine. I have not lost the last two years of study. (laughs) It's 
still in my mind and still integrated into how I work with people in the capacity that I work with people now. And then I found another way. Then I said, I don't need the approval of that organisation over there to, to still study and learn what I love and to integrate it into what I offer into the world. Nobody can stop me from offering my skills. I'm just not allowed to use certain words, you know, and it's um, there's, there's always a way. There's always a way. And it, and it can be really hard and frustrating when you don't have the support that you thought you were going to have on that journey. But then there's, you know, six months on from that, so many gifts in that as well that have kind of come from that big shake-up of that expectation. Now what I'm doing is so much more expansive that it would never fit in that tiny little box of where I thought I was going. So I guess moving through it, one foot in front of the other, with that mantra going through my mind, there's always a way. I just need to keep moving forward until I find that way, knowing that I'll probably go this way and then that way and up and down and around in circles quite a few times before I feel like I'm sort of tracking forward, maybe, and that's okay. That's the other mantra in my mind. It's okay. It's all okay. Every emotion, every every wrong turn, every <laughs> every every right turn. It's all okay. It's all perfect. So I suppose I have a much deeper trust and faith these days than I used to because I can't plan. (laughs) Well, and again, like we've, like so many of us get reminded it's, you can plan until you're blue in the face, but, and I don't know, there's an expression, God will laugh at your plans anyway, or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He has the last laugh. I I just filled out a survey not that long ago, or not a survey, a questionnaire to be on a podcast. And the question is something to the effect of when was a time in your life that you had failed and, you know, what, what did you learn from it? Mm. And like the old me, before I really started my journey of personal development, especially the last probably like pre grief recovery, me would have, would have looked at that and, and answered probably in the way of really looking down on myself, right? And really, I could have probably thought of things left and right to put in mm. there. But my perspective of failure now, and I don't know if you, I, I know from what I know of you, thinking you share this same mm. thinking, is that there is no failure. It's all learning. The perspective of how I look at failure, like there, there is no failure. And I used to, you know, we are our worst critics, our own worst critics. And that used to be a, really one of the things that brought me down the most mm-hmm. in my self-confidence and and my worth and all of that. Um, so I think it's really important that we look at failure and really dig deep into it of what how we want to reframe that. And so how do you... What is your um, shtick on failure these days? Mm, it's a really good question because it's not something I, I really think about anymore because <laughs> it's kind of like you. I used to think about how many failures I've had and just as you were talking there, I'm like, well, I guess what's happened is I don't see them as failures anymore. I see them as launch pads. I see them as um, 
my biggest moments of of growth um, because I've I've had plenty of things which people could label as as failures if if they wanted to. But if those things hadn't occurred, I would not be the person I am right now. I would not feel the expansiveness and love and everything that I have here in my heart so solidly these days. Um, I wouldn't have any of that because I wouldn't have learned how to come come through. And so I suppose in the in the sense of how I saw things as failures in the past, whereas now I, I don't, I see them as growth opportunities. Now, which means I move through things a lot quicker. Um, I think if, like that example that I gave with um, my study, if that had happened, say three years ago, it probably would have taken me maybe a year, two years to get over it. (laughs) You know, not over it. To we don't get over things; we integrate them, and we grow from them with with any kind of trauma or or grief occurrence. And um, so, I think it's a reframe into a growth opportunity instead of it being a failure and um, the best thing we can do is to fail again and again and again and again and I used to read books saying that and I would think yeah because then you learn how to do it right and you don't fail anymore (laughs) you know those hurrah kind of books like you know learn how to do it wrong so then you know how to do it right it's such a load of crap get comfortable with it and know that it's an opportunity. And, and yes, it's an opportunity that hurts like hell. And I, I can't ever see myself seeking that out and saying, oh, I hope this is one of those moments of growth opportunity. Right, right. <laughs> we don't ask for it. <laughs> every endeavor, every step of the way, I'm hoping that things go smoothly and well and that it feels oh, so flow and, you know, all the rest of it. But when ultimately the pain does come along, it's that knowledge in the back of your mind that that you can get through it. And it's the previous failures or growth opportunities and having come through those and then being able to see those in hindsight that gives you the courage to know that no matter what happens into the future, and I suppose this is where getting comfortable with that greyness in front of in front of me has come from, no matter what's thrown at me, I will find a way through it. I'll find a way to integrate it. I'll find a way to find meaning in it, which I think is is a big part of, you know, coming through trauma, coming through grief is, is having some sort of meaning attached to it, not to dispel the pain because it's so important, I think, to, to honour that and integrate it. But, um, but the meaning gives us a sense of, purpose and and understanding of why we experience it in the first place which to me is then that launch pad into the growth in our future and into better experience i know because we're friends that you experienced a loss during that transition of trying to understand that what you wanted to this dream that you were hoping to build and and launch wasn't going to happen, at least for mm. the time being. But you did have a loss of someone you loved during that time mm. as well. And mm. yeah, so that was my my grandfather and it happened quite quickly and, and suddenly. I mean he was, gosh, I should know this. I think he was 96. But he was still living alone and looking after himself and 
you know, um, of complete sound mind. And he had a fall and, and within weeks he, he had died. And in that time, we thought he was going home as well because he, he was healing and then all of a sudden he, he crashed. The night before of the, the funeral, uh, there, was, there was an announcement. We had really strict borders in, in Western Australia and we hadn't had COVID in in our state and so they there was one case that that came through and so they locked everything down based on one case who was in isolation and they'd identified everybody that had been in contact which was nothing to do with me or my family or anything near near us but they locked down everything um and said that so like lots of rules changed um one of them being at funerals that you can only have 10 people attend and um mum's one of five children so with partners um you know she could attend with her her brothers but none of us cousins and you know there's a there's a big bunch of us cousins and we're a very very close family it was a grieving of not just the loss of my grandfather, but but from the head of the family, we lost my nan, um, you know, twenty odd years ago. So it was this this fear then of is our family still going to come together? Or is it like all of it changed every dynamic of what had been a really solid foundation for all of us in in that family? I I remember I, I was already grieving all of that, and then to have hear this announcement that I can't go to the funeral yet the football was still going ahead was so discombobulating to like the the grief then that came up from that and so that night like and they said oh you know we'll live stream it and I'm like okay okay but it was kind of like I, I, but but it, it was so hard to really comprehend the feelings that that were going on inside and I don't think I'd ever really thought about how important funerals were um and so in the end we made a decision I, I think I was lying in bed awake I, I couldn't sleep and um just so ang- so much fire so much anger towards this politician that made this decision that made no sense to me no sense you know the rest of the world by then was kind of getting on with things and and we were freaking out by one case you know and um yeah I, I it just hit me I'm like no I'm getting up I'm getting dressed because all of that process of of getting dressed to go to the funeral there's like ritual in it and I and the kids are having the day off school and they are getting dressed too. And so is my husband and I'm taking my laptop and we're going to drive. This wasn't strictly allowed, but we did it. Um, <laughs> we're going to drive. We're going to sit outside on the road in our car of, of where I know they are. So I can see the hearse driving so I can, I can watch it on, on the computer and be as close as, as I can to that. And um, it ended up being this beautiful experience on one hand and then still so much anger and grief on the other side to have not been in the chapel because we turned up there and I'd spoken to my three 
siblings and and they decided they would do the same. So we were turning up, but none of us had spoken to our cousins because we were a little like, you know, a bit worried about what each other would think about <laughs> breaking the rules to that extent. But we're like, we're safe. We're in our cars. We're, you know, because we weren't supposed to. So anyways, we get there and the majority of my cousins had decided to do the same thing. Mm. And it was so incredible watching all of these cars line up on the side of the road with the same idea. They'd all had the same inspiration when I spoke to them later. You know, they'd had the same kind of thing where they'd stayed up all night and couldn't sleep and they were angry. And then, you know, they got this idea to come. And I, I so feel like my granddad went to each of us and, and gave us that inspiration. And so that was really beautiful. And it was a real kind of connecting moment. But then on the other hand, yeah, it was that there was so much anger because I felt like I'd been told I, I can't grieve how I want to grieve. And, and I realised how important it is, you know, after a funeral when a family comes together for the wake and the telling of those stories and the, the hugs and the, the weird feeling of it all that you don't have, you know, the grandfather there who's, who's always been like the reason why we gather, not the reason, but, you know, that is we gather around. And so we didn't have that. And and there was a, we were kind of like, oh, yeah, well, once the lockdown's over, we'll, we'll have a wake and all the rest of it. But there was just this fizzling off. And then no one could kind of rally themselves to, to kind of come together and do that. And I still feel the desire for it. But when I spoke to the rest of my family, they'd moved past it. And so it was so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still kind of can't put a lot of words to it all and explain it because it was, um, as I was saying to you before, we, we jumped on to record this anger on one side, which really made me want to jump into action and, and be vocal on what was going on over here and all the rest of it. And then the grief, which just felt like cold, still depression. I can't move. I give up. What's the point? You know, and and that what's the point was tied in with, with the grief of what was going on with my grandfather and then with the grief of everything that I was seeing kind of occurring around me and how much people were getting suppressed and, yeah, it just really made me flake. But then the anger would <laughs> come out in rage every now and then. Such an interesting, interesting process. Yeah. And yeah. very much a roller coaster. Mm. And feeling the weight too of what you see, right, happening with people you know and love. It's not just what's happening with you, but you know, friends who maybe lost their jobs because of their points of view or, yeah, you know, situations like that of losing loved ones like you too, but maybe not even getting to see them yeah. before they passed away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, dad's not been able to be with their wives while they're giving birth, mm. again, because of a health choice. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's occurring at the moment, which is just ludicrous. 
Yeah, so there's a lot of pain and grief that you hold for other people with that. With, and I think when there's a, when you feel, because again, this comes around to personal point of view, but when you feel like people are experiencing grief or additional grief for no reason or it seems pointless because there's a rule, it's it's really hard to kind of integrate that. You know, it's different when someone gets hit by a car and, and you go through that grieving process and everything, but it's it's almost like the car's been driven purposely or that person's been told to stand on the road or something, and it's just like it's so frustrating. There's this desire to scream, but you've got to let go of it all because you're of no but to yourself or the world or your your own family and I I think after holding that frustration and for for other people for myself for the world as a whole I was crunching in on myself and I am a hermit anyways but I was not in a good way I I I lost all motivation to to share any any of the messages that I have, I, and I was I was really struggling with that, and um, and I was snapping at my children, and my husband and I, even though we're on the same page, we're starting to get narky at each other, and it's because it's the frustration of what's happening out here that is out of your control, and and you're seeing all these people in pain, and you know, I'm that person that my friends call to tell me when they, oh yeah, like my husband's just lost their job or. Um, you know, I've got a friend and they've got an amazing electrical business that, and I know how hard her husband's worked to build that up and employees and things like that. And then these, well, these crazy rules come in that don't make sense. And, um, and they're like, how do we navigate this? And, you know, it's feeling that terror of your heart and it's what ends up happening is that you're suffering and your children are suffering because of it because you're taking it all in and it's because the lack of feeling of control so at some point it was like how do I not dissociate from this because that's not healthy how do I keep my eyes open and aware to the truth and be okay and as a highly sensitive person Mm. and that's kind of what I'm getting at too with this Mm. conversation being a highly sensitive person so what would you suggest to people who may be feeling that way, whether they're identify as a highly sensitive person or not. I think this is where your self-care behaviors are so important. Um, so as as you know, I, I've been um, practicing Kundalini religiously every every day, Kundalini yoga for over a year now. So those kind of practices and, and journaling and meditation reading a book, all of those things. Well, I suppose, let me categorise it. So there's some self-care behaviours like yoga, meditation that are like muscle strengthening, emotional resilience strengthening. So they do help you to release and and let go and integrate uh, different things. But one of the, the really big things about them is that they are they are building a strength, a core, like inside like this. And, and it's um, so that when everything is swirling around in a storm around you, you can you can feel your center still. 
instead of just being swept around in the storm. So those things, I, I think it's really important to have a practice and, and that's hard to do, especially when you're not feeling great. But that's where self-discipline comes in and that's having self-integrity and, and thinking you're worth that time and that effort. And, and your have, children I, and your family, yeah. Sorry, can, I ask a, can I ask yeah, a follow-up yeah, question yeah, to yeah. that before I forget? Because I think it's really important. I actually want your thoughts on this. So um, just it's come up recently in conversations. So like you can be, you can have a yoga practice. Let's say you have a daily yoga practice and kundalini, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's a practice of being with your body, like being present with your body, in your body, feeling safe and supported in your body, right? Mm-hmm. But what if it's not, you're not really with your feelings? Because there's a difference. Mm-hmm. You can be in and with your body. But if you're not in or with your feelings, is it in a way a form of spiritual spiritual bypassing? Or could you be thinking that you're addressing your grief or your emotions with this practice, but yet it almost becomes a stirb? Like in grief mm-hmm. recovery, call it a short-term energy relief. Anything can be a stirb. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. use this language yeah. with you, so you know what you're yeah, familiar I with know it. But, about. Yeah. but what do you say to that? Like, yeah, you can have a yoga practice, but and be within your body. But how do you sit, be in with your feelings at the same time? So I would say that if you're truly with your body, you can't not be with your feelings at the same time. I would say. When it's a a stirb, so, you know, people often use physical movement as in that way to to bypass things and and to use it as a a healthier Band-Aid than alcohol, but it's still a Band-Aid, right? And, yes, it's it's spiritual bypassing. But you're not, when you're fully embodied, the, the mind and body are one. Your feelings and emotions, it's all it's all one thing. So if you're truly actually being embodied and if you're truly doing the practice of yoga you will feel it and um i mean this is this is why you know um so often like if i'm consulting with somebody and they're having difficulty getting in touch with their emotions and feelings just just from talk because it it really works well that way it's it's a okay let's move your body because there's usually somewhere i can see in them that there are holding you know and I'm like okay let's see what's there and once they start to move it the emotion starts to come up and so this is what's supposed to be occurring within within yoga or or any of these movement practices but there are ways like you say where you can move your body and even use the breath and use the mind to completely compartmentalize and, and, you know, it's, it's an incredibly clever thing to do, but humans are clever and, and I'd say most people have the skill to actually do this. To, it's, it's almost like it gets boxed up and, and put somewhere, right? Um, but if you're actually doing the practice properly, and I think this is where intention comes into it and, and you are to the best of your ability because, you know, when we meditate, we all go off and think about dinner and all the rest of it. But you just keep bringing yourself back. You keep bringing yourself back. You keep saying, if I feel something, I will feel it. I give myself permission. I 
um, all of these things are really important. There is no use going through some yoga set or or even meditation you know in kundalini we do a lot of of chanting and things like that you can get lost in them and there is a a certain sense of of peace and goodness to that as well but the attention should always be in the present moment it's not about escaping it's about coming in and feeling and saying i will feel I will feel this pain. I will feel the, like, you know, that, and that means the physical pain and, and emotional pain. So I think it comes down to intention as to the, the difference between both because, um, yeah, I know what you mean. And I know we've had conversations about it before in this spiritual bypassing and I've been extremely frustrated in the past because some of the most, what I would have in the past called the most spiritual people I know, like highly psychic people and, and and mediums and things like that that I, I have known personally have such screwed up what I would personally call it a screwed up um, personal life and relationships. And I'm like, how does this occur? And it's it's because they're actually not embodied. Mm. It's it's because they are trying to live in this spiritual world as an escape, just like drinking can be, just like exercise can be, just like sex can be eating anything it's an escape from actually feeling and dealing with what's occurring so yeah i think it really does come down to that the mindset and the intention of, what's, of what yeah what sparked that was i had a uh, podcast guest who had grown up with yogi parents but he had never learned how to grieve he had never had that emulated for him or you know, to really be with your emotions and how to let them move through you and work through them. It was all just, it's almost as if, well, yoga was just this, you're just going through the motions, right? Well, I think a lot of yoga is these days, isn't it? It's it's a stretching practice. Um, I think the spiritual teachings, which is the spiritual side of of yoga as as a practice, is about... um, connection actually I was just reading last night in um because as you know I've just started the the teacher training for kundalini and and it says in there I wish I had my manual here so I could read it out exactly but it says yoga is not all of these things that we're kind of saying right now it is a relationship it's about relationship relationship to spirit relationship to self relationship to others which means if, if you're in true relationship, you, you cannot not experience grief, right, mm-hmm. amongst every other emotion as well. So, like, without knowing this this person and his upbringing and, and what his yogi parents were like, I mean, it's quite possible that they actually never never spoke about that type of thing. Um, Kundalini is quite different from other yoga practices, from what I can see. It is all about being embodied, which embodied means experiencing the physical, emotional and the etheric together as one. But, yeah, it happens. And I do it too. I think we all do it. Especially when life feels like a shit show, right? (laughs) You've touched on this now, so let's go there. Um, Okay. Because obviously you must have some hopes, dreams and expectations or Mm. for the future with now Kundalini. But like you said, it's 
whatever you go through in life, it's education. It's not failure and no one can take it away from you, whether it is a training program or it is a per se failure perceived Mm -hmm. by others. So what gives you hope for the future? This feeling inside of me. It sounds so woo and so I almost don't want to say it because I'm like, oh, how cliche. I have honestly come to a point in my own growth and development where I feel, like I said, it's it's that. So I've done so much work on, on strengthening this inner core and being of myself that there is such a pleasant feeling there. It doesn't mean I don't get angry or scared. You know, it, just this morning, you know, I... um. I was I was saying to my husband, you know, I had I had a lot of anxiety coming up around, you know, finances and things because everything's quite changeable still. But it all seems to work out in the end. And and I think what gives me hope is that no one can take away this feeling I have inside. The only way it disappears is when I let it disappear, like I did for a moment this morning. So so everything's gonna be okay. It's all okay. And and there's always another opportunity. There's always another. I'm constantly surprised and delighted what life can can offer and deliver. So even if what I'm not envisaging in my mind doesn't come to fruition, while I was still grieved that, because like you say, you know, I've got another vision in my mind now. While I know I would grieve that, I also know that whatever comes here has got opportunity for for delight and joy that I can't even envision right now. And so whichever way it goes, it's okay. And I think that's where the hope lies now. It's um which is is a funny way to put it, but it's it's um I guess in the past hope has been in relation to wanting something so that I could be happy mm-hmm. that will make me happier once I have that whereas now it's like there's there's a sense of of joy and connect and contentness that's a word in the now and but a but a hope for the the sparks and joy that I kind of know are going to come anyways I just don't know what form along with the the, the grief and the pain that I know will be in there as well. And it's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to life. Welcome to life, which then brings me back to like that kundalini morning practice. That's what that feels like, right? And it doesn't have to be kundalini yoga. There's so many different practices out there that you can get this from. It's it's a mixture of this. It's, it's like your life because it's a mixture of, intense pain when you have your arms out here for seven minutes like that really hurts but then like like why would you do that to yourself (laughs) but then at the same time there's like these sparks of just moments where everything sinks together or you get this higher state of awareness after a bit of breath work or meditation or 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 achievement when the first time that you actually managed to keep your arms up there without flaking out and and that that willpower, I feel like I need to let my arm down and then your mind is going, no, I'm going to stay on that path. No, you're not putting your arm down and you just stay there and you stay there and you stay there. 
that's the training, but it's also the experience of. So then when it happens in your like day-to-day life, it's like, oh no, I've come through that. How many times have I failed with my arms falling down and then I got it right? You know, so it's like it's giving you life experience. And I think that's, again, like how I said, those types of practices are training. And, um, man, I, I always think, imagine if we all grew up with that kind of training, mm. like understanding not just the physical side of it. Like mm. my teacher speaks wholly and a lot about what's actually occurring internally you know it's like sometimes I'll be like there and I'll be sobbing and so angry she won't let me put my hands down (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah life training life training yeah yeah and there's lots of ways to do it so if people want to learn your way or want to connect with you, where can they find you? Aromanosis, which is my business. And that is aromanosis.com.au. And yeah, there's a there's a couple of different offerings in there. One which can be um, offered to anybody around the world is my wellbeing readings, where I use my intuition as well as my knowledge in herbalism and um, Western medicine and psychology and everything else that I've studied, and basically give an overview of of your wellnesses along with um, some different suggestions in your lifestyle diet. And really, when it comes down to it, a lot of the time, it's what people are experiencing physically comes down to the grief they are holding within the unprocessed and unintegrated emotions. So I give some some tips and kind of next steps around that. And then, yeah, I also consult with people face to face as well when the opportunity arises. And you have teas. You make teas as well, right? I do. I do. Oh, thank you for saying. See, there's so many wonderful things in the world. Um, <laughs> I do. I love I love my, my teas and my herbs. My shop is not up yet, but um, it will be discoverable with through Aromanosis. Or you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Aromanosis as well. And I will have that shop up soon with um, all my medicinal goodies which I love to when I put them together I only ever put my um my herbals and medicinals together when I am in alignment in myself and I also like to do it in alignment with the moon and the energies of the planets and so all of that that's where the alchemical herbalism comes in it all comes in into play and it's such a beautiful expansive thing to do is to sit there chanting away as you're as you're preparing something or harvesting it or whatever stage it's at lots of love infused i do Mm. not doubt so much (laughs) and i'll put the link into all of your information in the show notes and is there anything else you would like to share just deep gratitude for you my friend i have learned so much from you about grief and um and the true nature of grief I think it's it's we often label it so many other things and when it comes down to it it's 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 grief and um and not being afraid of that and um yeah understanding the nuances around it and this podcast that you've been doing and have the most incredible guests on that I'm just like so amazed that 
that I am on here in 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 the presence of of some pretty incredible people. You're a true gift to the world, an absolute true gift. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being my friend, soul <laughs> sister from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing. I think the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations is a loss that many people can relate to and experiencing loss during COVID as well. So I appreciate you sharing your story. We didn't even get into UMAP, which I I wanted to try and weave that in there some way, but didn't didn't quite fit. So maybe that's another conversation for another time. Next time. Yeah, yeah. so much I could say about that. that, uh, Anything like in a nutshell, like what what it did for you? Yeah, so when you did that, now I'm trying to remember the timeline, but that's when I was feeling kind of squeezed and it was towards the end of last year. So it was kind of like when all the things were going on and at the same time I was like, no, I'm going to find my path. I will find that way, you know, determined. And, and you you offered the UMAP to me, surprised me most about it, was really bringing to my attention what my priorities were what my values were. And so I made a decision. Actually, I do remember exactly. It, it was mid last year because it was when my grandfather died. It was at right at that point. And um, I remember I was trying to make decisions. Am I, am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. And um, when I saw my values written in kind of hierarchy and, and I made a decision to I'm going to live by those because you kind of realise that, oh, hang on. I'm putting all my attention into my fifth or sixth valley. <laughs> what about that top one? That changed my behavior and my actions and still does. That was a catalyst into this um, this this feeling of of solid joy and knowing, knowing that I've got that that rock hard feeling, that core that I was talking about. That was a catalyst doing that UMAP. I couldn't recommend it highly enough to people. It's such a good way to get to know yourself, especially if you have no idea, I think. Yeah, if but, you're feeling lost, then, right? If, you, if you're feeling lost. Actually, it doesn't even matter how much you know yourself. I mean, I've been doing self-development for years. I thought I knew. I, I was like, yeah, I already know where I'm at. There's always more to discover. It, put it in black and white in front of you and then try and weasel your way into putting your head back in the sand it's really hard to do so it's a gift to have it in front of you yeah and for people not familiar with it I'll link to it in the show notes but just it's a a holistic picture of who you really are that combines Mm. your strengths and your values and your skills and 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 how you're wired to create this this map of of you and Mm. it can really shape your path forward and so Thank you for sharing that little snippet of your experience with my listeners. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And thank you again so much, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.